to Direct Impact, where we discuss the various ways our mental health and quality of life intersect. I'm your host, Andrea Epstein, licensed professional counselor, master's addictions counselor, and certified sex therapist. Think of our time together as focused self-reflection mixed with insight, passion, and empowerment. Now, take a deep breath. Now let's dive in and see what impacts you today. Welcome, welcome. We are so grateful to have you guys with us today. We've got a wonderful speaker planned for you. So if you're multitasking, just listen up real quick. I want to introduce you to Alex Tobar, and we are just so delighted to have him with us. He is a police officer. I'm going to let him introduce himself a little bit more, but we've got a great conversation coming your way. So listen up, guys. Welcome, Alex. Hey, hello. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. Good morning. So I've been a police officer for over 26 years. I did 10 years in Athens. I've been here for about 16 years, over 16 years. Mm. In my law enforcement career, I've worked as a crime prevention officer. I've worked on bike patrol. I've worked on a crime suppression unit. I've worked in robbery. I've worked in homicide. I've worked in internal affairs. I've commanded a precinct, commanded the training unit, and been over the Office of Professional Standards. So that's a little bit of my law enforcement career. Something else that I that I do quite often is I'm also a consultant for the International Association of Chiefs of Police, and I get to travel across the country teaching police departments leadership. So that's a little bit about me. And you're a captain. I am a captain. I'm over the Southside Precinct currently in Savannah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your service. I appreciate that. I do not want to imagine a world without you guys. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, absolutely. So we wanted to have you on today, Alex, to talk about stress, post-traumatic stress, anxiety disorders, and just the needs that aren't being addressed for first responders. Can you tell me a little bit about the importance of mental health as you see it from your perspective. Absolutely. So that plays a, a an integral role in what we do as police officers and what we have to manage as supervisors and leaders of police organizations. We have to get to know our people, uh, but not only get to know them, but understand them. We have to understand when situations affect them. There was a book written years ago called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Huh. Well, police officers get ulcers. They do. They relive, uh, they relive situations constantly. And we have to make sure that our people are reliving those situations, that they're getting plenty of sleep, that they can get over the trauma they face every day, and that we make sure that we're aware if there are changes with our officers. So again, it goes back to caring for our officers, getting to know them personally, finding out if there's a change in in you know, their personality and something changes, there's got to be a reason behind that. And we got to make sure that we dig constantly to make sure that we're aware of any changes. And And bottom line is it's about caring about people. If anybody's ever impacted your life, it's because they cared about you. It wasn't because, you know, they had a particular rank or a particular position. It's because one, they understood you and two, they cared about you. Mm. We have a big sign downstairs that says, Nobody cares about what you know until they know how much you care. (laughs) That is so true. So it doesn't matter. Like information isn't transformation. We say that all the time. It doesn't matter how much information we throw at somebody, how many in-services we provide, how many pamphlets we send out. But knowing that person and caring about that person, that's what it's all about. So 
In the military, um, they talk about embedded mental health. I believe in embedded mental health because it gives you consistent access to providers and just kind of, you know, an organic culture of self-care and mental health and all of that. Have y'all talked about that? And do you have embedded mental health? So that's something that we do talk about, you know, Mm -hmm. our design or or mechanisms inside Mm -hmm. the police department have a lot to do with leadership. You know, one of the reasons I've reached out to this organization is just to to hugs is the amazing work that you do. And the fact that we don't care where people get help as long as they get help. We Mm -hmm. want people to seek out those professionals when they need them. That's Mm -hmm. the most important part. As far as those mechanisms, those are things that we're constantly trying to improve on. Every agency is constantly trying to improve on their Mm -hmm. resiliency for their officers. You know, we have hundreds of officers and not everybody is the same. Everybody carries a different sized backpack on their back, and we never know what's going to be too much for them, what's going to affect them. And so what you're talking about now, embedding mechanisms and, you know, things that are inside of the organization to help. You know, we mm-hmm. take care of our vehicles all the time. Mm-hmm. We, we go in for a checkup, an oil change, all these things. Maintenance. And maintenance, but we don't do it personally for ourselves or for other people. we got to make sure we're checking up on those things and, mm-hmm. and making sure when we see something that we are actually addressing that. Yes, absolutely. And I really... I believe in the embedded approach because it's needed by everybody. If we wait until someone holds up their hand and says, hey, I'm not coping well, we know that they haven't been coping well statistically for years before they held up their hand and said, hey, hey, boss, I need some help. Can you help me? Can you point me in the right direction? We could still lose them between them asking for help and them getting help. With the opportunities for embedded mental health, which um, agencies like mine do provide, we go into organizations to provide an embedded approach. We believe in that because we lose people between point A and point B. And when you are a first responder or any type of high stress environment on a regular basis where it's really hard to navigate day to day, everybody needs it. Not just the one that says, hey, I'm struggling. And then it's hard to say, hey, I'm struggling because you're the brave, courageous person holding up your hand instead of saying, hey, we all need this, <laughs> right? You're 100% right. I have a good friend that always says the cleanup starts long before the crisis. Mm. And I think if you embed those mechanisms, you can do things before they they become critical. And that's the goal, that if we can catch situations early, we can hopefully prevent those those major catastrophes, those incidents where officers commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Those are the things, you know, because if, if people don't catch the warning signs early and they don't ask the questions, they miss the, the music that's playing underneath all the words, and, mm-hmm. and you have to be able to catch those things because they're subtle. Right. You know, the things people say and, and the... the you know, the characteristics of an individual, unless you really know them well, can be very well hidden, especially in law enforcement. In law enforcement, we're we're always taught, you know, to be brave. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't show any kind of weakness. You can't. There's so many things that an officer has to be stoic, has to Mm -hmm. not show emotion, not show influence. And, And those things also play an integral part because sometimes we can miss that music that's playing underneath everything. Mm -hmm. And if we lose that ability to do that, we lose the ability to catch things early and help officers when they need it most. Absolutely. And from from my experience, when people 
people are showing those quote unquote signs of usually it's the signs of depression and anxiety and irritability and and you start to see them kind of spiral yes that's when we start to notice it but it's that shift into you know they start showing up and you start thinking things are better and that's when we lose them and and it's just it's important that we catch it early catch it early before that initial spiral but I love what you said about relationship and just being there and being connected and checking in with them on a regular basis. Have you experienced the deep hurt, headache, anger, and confusion caused by intimacy betrayal? Has your partner gone outside of the relationship to feed their sexual compulsion or medicate their inadequacies and anxieties? Do you feel isolated, rejected, deceived, and manipulated? Well, my friend, if you are answering yes, and you have endured one or multiple instances of betrayal, you are not alone. Lightning in a Bottle digital course creators have developed a course for millions just like you, survivors of betrayal trauma. This course is designed for those injured by infidelity and intimacy betrayal. This course is facilitated by yours truly and created to take you from the trauma of discovery into recovery. The Betrayal Trauma Foundations course will equip you with the fundamentals needed to begin the process of recovery and healing. This includes five hours of psychoeducation, independent insight exercises, continuing care resources, and more. Become part of an exclusive community dedicated to restoration and resilience. For pre-launch registration, visit www.lightninginabottle.biz backslash courses. This site and pre-registration will save you 15%. For an additional 15%, that is a total of 30% in savings today, enter the promo code IMPACT, that's I-M-P-A-C-T, to receive an additional 15% off. That's a total of 30% off in savings today. So hurry, reserve your spot and save big. Do you feel preoccupied, confused, or embarrassed about an unwanted behavior? Do you prioritize pornography, food, finances, gambling, toxic people, and or chemicals over your primary responsibilities? Well, at Resolve Strategies in Savannah, Georgia, our clinical counselors offer evidence-based approaches to take you from discovery to recovery. To learn more about Resolve Strategies, visit www.resolvestrategiesinc.com and take our free quiz, Five Defense Mechanisms That Might Keep You in the Dark. Suicide is something that's near and dear to my heart. I lost my brother to suicide almost three years ago. It'll be three years ago in November. Sorry to hear and, that. Thank you. It's just something that you don't always see coming, which is just so important, again, that we all realize we're human. And we all realize our limitations and our vulnerabilities. And what I just heard you say is we can't be vulnerable. Well, here's here's my point to uh-huh. that because there's there's a backstory to that. Okay. So as leaders, we have to teach people how to be vulnerable. Okay. It is something that that goes against the grain. Uh-huh. So for me personally, one of the stories that I tell is is we you know we had an officer killed in the line of duty, and I dealt with that situation. Um, I was out on the scene, went to the hospital, uh, met with family, very traumatic event. And, you know, I held it together very well. Mm-hmm. I held it together, you know, what I consider to be very well until one morning I got a phone call and that phone call was, you know, I was getting out of the shower and the phone call was Captain Tobar, you know, I've got a Mother's Day gift from Sergeant Ansari for his 
wife here. What do you want me to do with it? And that hit me very hard. Mm. I just broke down crying and it it broke me down. So, you know, I think we're all going to break down at some point. We're all going to deal with situations and that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to do that. We're human. But so, so the idea to be brave, you can be brave and, and still, you know, have emotions and still tell people that, hey, I've broken down, it's happened to me, and, and make sure that people understand that there are times where, where we're, it's going to affect us, the job's going to affect us, mm-hmm. and it's okay for it mm-hmm. to affect us because we're people. And the bottom line is if we didn't care, we wouldn't be in this job and we sh- or we shouldn't be in this job. So that's the important part about it, that we have to be able to, to care. We have to be able to understand that we're going to go through things mm-hmm. as leaders um, and, and our people are going to go through this. And that's okay. Absolutely. That is truly okay. It's better to be human than not to be human when it comes mm-hmm. to emotions. We don't want to be, you know, we can still be brave and still be have those emotions. We're emotional beings, but we just have to understand the role that plays in the job we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are human beings, not just human doings. And, you know, oftentimes when you are in these roles, of course, you know, better than me. (laughs) But when you're in these roles, there still is that we know that to be vulnerable and to be honest and to be open and to be authentic, all of those things are being brave and are being courageous. But when you go into high stress environments, we our brain switches into action, we're in action. And if we're consistently in action, you mentioned the zebra, (laughs) when we're consistently jumping into action and not taking the time to recuperate and to really rejuvenate and to restore, then that's when the complex trauma and the complex stress starts to beat people down. And in these roles, I mean, it's inevitable, is it not? So, yes, so there are many people that, that talk about this. Uh, emotional intelligence for law enforcement deals with this. We talk about this consistently, that police officers are in a state of hypervigilance. Mm-hmm. They are constantly thinking about what-if situations. What if this happened? What if this happened? And, and when they go home, oftentimes they're not like the zebra that can shut it off. Right. They can't just start grazing eating or, grass, or yeah. Yeah, eating some grass or having a good time. So that it just happened and they cut it off. Yes, it is they relive that constantly they Mm -hmm. dream about it so the better we are at shutting it off Mm -hmm. turning it on and shutting it off the better it'll be for our well-being and Mm -hmm. and the question is you know how well we talk about these things Uh how well we debrief how well we get it all out of our system quickly and then move on from it and Mm -hmm. and that's what we need to do we need to practice a way of getting it all out of our system when it's best to do that and then understanding we're moving on, you mm-hmm. know, we're getting it all mm-hmm. out of our system so we can move on and, and reflect on other things and move past this. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to wear multiple hats. And that debriefing process is so important for everybody. Yes. We talk about the sitting in the car for two minutes before you turn the engine off and going inside and, and having that time to, okay, so now I'm switching my hats and I'm going in to be the loving husband, the loving wife, the the parent that yes. I, I, I want to be and show up in this way. Right, But right. so often we're still carrying this big backpack, this luggage, these burdens from the office into the home. And that's tough. And we've got to, you know, we've got to make sure we tell ourselves that before we go home, before we go somewhere else, you know, you don't have the right 
to treat somebody else poorly because of what happened to you at work. Mm. You don't have the right to be a jerk because of what happened to you at work. You've got to move past that. Mm -hmm. That's not, that doesn't give you a right. Mm -hmm. Just because you had a hard day at work, just because you saw something terrible, doesn't mean that now you can use that as a way to attack somebody else or or be less than courteous or not care or not be engaged. Mm -hmm. Those things we have to be careful about. And we have to tell ourselves we lose that right. You know, I tell people as leaders, you lose the right to say I should have. You know, you lose the right to to not communicate. You lose the right. I tell them of all the rights they lose when they become a leader. So make sure this is what you want, because if you want, if you get this position, these are the rights you lose. You no longer have. You, you can yeah. no longer do this. The rights are replaced with responsibility. Yes, that's exactly it. It's replaced yeah. with what you have to do instead uh -huh. of what you should have. Yeah. Yeah. Listen up, Direct Impact Nation. You know how important routine, structure, consistency, and accountability is on the road to recovery and personal discovery. Well, I have developed the perfect companion for you on your journey. My plan to recover journal is thoughtfully and specifically designed for the person looking to achieve long-term success in recovery while gaining personal insight, awareness, emotional intelligence, and spiritual integrity. The Plan to Recover Journal will help you stay recovery-minded, practice your priorities, and build a healthy relationship with self and others 12 hours at a time. To preview and pre-order your copy today, visit www.lightninginabottle.biz backslash journal. That's www.lightninginabottle.biz backslash journal. And don't forget to get a PTR journal for a friend on their journey too. Direct Impact Nation will save 15% when you use the promo code IMPACT. That's promo code I-M-P-A-C-T. With the purchase of your PTR journal, you will become part of an exclusive community dedicated to recovery and self-discovery. Visit www.lightninginabottle.biz and let us take you from want to to willing and from willing to healing. Heads Up Guidance Services, or HUGS, is a nonprofit organization dedicated to removing all barriers to quality professional counseling services. At HUGS, all motivated individuals, couples, and families can access the support they need and deserve in an outpatient setting. They recruit dedicated, compassionate, and socially conscious professionals who volunteer their time and specialized skill pro bono. HUGS doesn't work with third-party payers, insurance companies, or government dollars. Rather, they operate entirely with the support of people just like you. To help support HUGS, visit www.headsupsavannah.org. Tell me about after a critical incident, what is does the debriefing process look like? I am a psychotherapist and I use lots of different modalities in working with complex trauma and PTSD, but um, EMDR is one of them and there's several different levels, if you will, yes. of EMDR. And I wonder if after critical incidents where, like you said, you've seen something on the job, mm -hmm. We know that that in that moment, that is a trauma. There is the process um, of debriefing, but I wonder if there's anything else offered tools or, you know, the access to mental health. 
So for, for our department, what we generally do after a critical incident is we have mm -hmm. peer counselors in the department. We make sure those people reach out to the folks involved. We get a hold of the chaplains. We make sure the chaplains get a hold of the people involved. Mm -hmm. We also talk to the leadership wherever the situation happens, make sure that they're actively engaged with their people. And then we also, sometimes what we'll do is we'll call an outside agency mm -hmm. um, to come in. Sometimes it's the Georgia State Patrol that, that has a great critical incident management team mm -hmm. and they have peer counselors there and, and SISM teams. They have great teams that can come in and handle a debrief for other organizations. Mm -hmm. And we've used them in the past and we'll go to an offsite location and we'll usually have a debrief there. Uh, we try to involve our, you know, our 911 operators and anybody mm -hmm. that wants to take a part and was involved in the situation. Mm -hmm. That way, again, they can go through that whole process of, of their feelings, emotions, talking about what they felt that day and trying to resolve some of those issues or at least getting them off their chest or someone else can hear them. Absolutely. So it sounds like there's lots of resources that are laid out following an incident. I go out and respond to critical incidents. I'm one of the, the people on a list to respond, and I find that sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, there are no words. There are no words. They are not able at that point that early on to really process due to the trauma what has happened to them. And so I find that the EMDR is very helpful through bilateral brain stimulation, which is just sounds, sure, <laughs> sure. sounds high tech, but yeah. it's really just through tapping or eye movements, but right. it allows them to reprocess and no longer attach negative or unwanted emotion to an actual event or experience. Fantastic. And then they can go on. They still remember it happened, but the I should have done something different. I am responsible. All of that is no longer attached to the incident. And like I said, through the bilateral brain stimulation and the reprocessing of the event, this exercise takes like five to 10 minutes, 15 max. That's great. And following an incident like that, it's just great so that they can do all those other resources and they can really process, make sure they're actually able to experience the support that y'all are offering them. And so that's one of the things that I really advocate for that people receive because we're just in such a state of shock. I agree. It's hard to process anything yeah. when um, our sympathetic nervous system and that all that, like you said, hyper arousal is going on. How do you process what you have just experienced? That is the basis of trauma. We can't. You're a hundred percent right until, you know, a person goes through a certain process or, and you can reach them at the right point. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the frequency right, you're not going to be able to reach them. So first okay. we got to get the frequency right. We got to make sure that, that we're, you know, letting them cleanse themselves of all these emotions, mm -hmm. making sure that they have the proper time. And, and when they're ready, mm -hmm. then, then making sure that we offer them all these services and help right. them through it. Yeah. And I'm passionate about that because if we don't help the people who help us, yes, <laughs> I mean, yes. what what are we about? Right. I mean, right. and I and I know that we struggle with that. Of course, we struggle with that because almost every human being struggles to love, you know, give themselves the type of love and dedication and devotion that they give to others. So, of course, we would struggle to help the people who help us, right? Right. But we've, we've got all of this backwards, and we really need to be pouring into the people who selfishly, I mean, selfishly serve our communities. So <clears throat> grateful to be a part of that in any way, and, and just thank you so much for who you are and what you do. Well, I appreciate it. 
because we, we've got to get these suicide numbers down. I mean, if you look at the stats, it is just it's devastating. Yeah, we've we've had, a, you know, a uh, certainly our fair share of problems with that and concerns with officers mm-hmm. committing suicide. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had a, a officers commit suicide in the past and, and our nor- numbers are, are fairly high for an agency our size. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly trying to improve. We're constantly trying to look at ways uh, that we can do things better. We had a suicide, and I reached out to Fairfax County, Virginia. Mm-hmm. I was good friends with the chief at the time, and he sent people down here. You know, amazing relationship because he said, I'll send four of my people down. He said, don't worry about it, Alex. He goes, I'll send my people down. They'll put on classes for you. They'll be there to help. And and sure enough, they came down here and they put on some classes, taught us what they had gone through. I had psychologists, brought down four people uh, for us and, and really did a great job. So I was very impressed with that. It's yes. amazing. You never know who you're going to run into in, in life and how, you know, the reason they were brought into your life and how they're going to change it in some kind of way. So I've been very fortunate. Uh, like I said, I'm a consultant, so I, I get to travel quite a bit and go mm-hmm. to different departments, see what's working, what's not working and, and meet some outstanding people that are really changing the face of law enforcement. Mm, I love to hear that. I love collaboration. Yes. <laughs> so, um, again, I, I, I thank you for coming on and for your service and for your dedication to the profession and to the community that you serve. Thank you. Come back anytime. Appreciate that. Could you give our listeners a call to action? What would you like them to, to do to learn more about or to assist with some of the problems that you're seeing? I think that the, the better humans we all can be, the better we can try to connect with somebody else. You know, I think that that's the, the greatest thing we can possibly do. The better we can understand somebody else and help them, I think that goes a long way mm. with people. If we can try to make somebody's life just a little bit better, it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't have to, you know, change where they're living necessarily, but just trying to make somebody's life a little bit better. You never know how that's going to impact them, their day, their life, or, or the people around them. And yours. Yes, absolutely. And yours. Absolutely. I mean, those acts of kindness, it's, yes, and a beautiful ripple effect, but the ripple effect goes inward too. I mean, and it, that's such a wonderful call to action for our audiences. You know, this week, be a little more inquisitive. Ask some questions. Get to know your neighbor. The person you come in contact with, yeah, go ahead and pay for the meal behind, um, <laughs> for the car behind you and the drive through Go ahead and give somebody an extra smile at that person into traffic, and let's just be better humans. Yep. I love that. It'll come that. back to you for sure. The things that I've done to help people have truly helped me. Mm. You know, they've truly helped me because you help somebody else out and oftentimes you forget that you even helped them out. And a year later, they'll come back up to you and they won't have forgotten what you did. Mm. Five years later, they won't have forgotten what you did. So that one, you know, situation that you feel that didn't really take that much time out of your life really impacted somebody else's. What a wonderful call to action. All right, Direct Impact. I hope you heard that. That is a beautiful call to action for this week. We will see you same time, same place next week. Thanks for showing up. Bye for now.
Does anyone else feel like they just earned an extra brain wrinkle? Do you feel like that went by way too fast and just cannot wait till the next episode? Then leave a review and share this episode with a friend, a loved one, a coworker, or whomever because your valued feedback makes a direct impact. Thank you for dropping in. Snaps to you because you have made a direct impact by listening to this podcast. Make sure to follow us on social media and stay tuned every week for a new episode of Direct Impact with Andrea Epstein.